Uh, let's take our Bibles and let's get them open to John. John chapter number 16, and uh, we're going to start reading verse 29. We'll read to the end of the chapter. As you flip there, I did want to, I, uh, we have a lot of camps uh, at our church. We have uh, Jungle Camp and Badger Camp, and uh, I intercepted one of the letters that our kids wrote while they were at camp, and I thought I'd read that to you tonight. It says, Dear Mom, uh, Brother Dow told us to write to our parents in case you saw the flood. This is from, by the way, this is from Jungle Camp. Uh, in case you saw the flood or, or heard about the flood and got worried, we are okay. Only two of our tents and two sleeping bags got washed away. Luckily, none of us got drowned because we were all up on the mountain looking for Tristan when it happened. Oh, yes, please, please call Tristan's mother and tell her he is okay. He can't write because of the cast. I got, I got to ride one of the search and rescue jeeps. It was great. We never would have found Tristan in the dark if it hadn't been for the lightning. <laughs> Brother Dahl got mad at Tristan for going on a hike alone without telling anyone. Tristan said he did, he did tell him, but it was during the fire, so he probably didn't hear him. And uh, folks, this is kind of humorous, but Brother Matt and I know how true it is. <laughs> did, you know, did you know that if you put gas on the fire, the gas will blow up? <laughs> the wet wood didn't burn, but one of the tents did, and also some of our clothes. <laughs> Corey is going to look weird until his hair grows back. <laughs> we will come home on Saturday if uh, Brother Dollar gets the bus fixed. It wasn't his fault about the crash. The brakes worked okay when we left. <laughs> Brother Dallas said that it was, a, it was a bus that was old. You have to expect something to break down. That's probably why he can't get insurance. <laughs> Amen, Brother Leo. <laughs> um, we, think it's, we think it's a super bus. He doesn't care if we get it dirty, and if it's hot, sometimes he lets us ride on the bumpers. <laughs> it gets pretty hot with 45 people in a bus made for 24. <laughs> He let us take turns riding in the trailer until the policeman stopped and talked to us. <laughs> Amen, Brother Moore. He's not here this evening, is he? Uh, Brother Dow is a uh, neat guy. He's, he's a good driver. In fact, he's teaching... Uh, <laughs> in fact, he's teaching uh, Keegan how to drive on the mountain roads where there aren't any cops. All we ever see are the huge logging trucks. Jeez. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. <laughs> this morning, all the guys were diving off the rocks and swimming out to the rapids. Brother Dahl wouldn't let me, let, wouldn't let me because I can't swim. But uh, Tristan was afraid he, he would sink because it was cast. It's concrete because we didn't have any uh, plaster. So we took the canoe out. It was great. You can still see some of the trees under the water from the flood. Uh, Brother, Brother Dahl isn't crabby like some scoutmasters. He didn't even get mad about the life jackets. He has to spend a lot of the time working on the bus, so we were trying not to cause him any trouble. Guess what? We've all passed our first aid merit badges. <laughs> when Randall dived in the lake and cut his arm, we all got to see how a tourniquet works. <laughs> Stevie and I threw up, but Scoutmaster, our Brother Dahl said it was probably just food poisoning from leftover chicken. He, he said they got sick that way. That, he, he said they got sick uh, with the food. Uh, I've got to go now. We are going to town to post our letters and buy, uh, and buy some more ammunition. <laughs> Don't worry about anything. <laughs> P.S. Love, love your son. I thought I'd share that with you. And uh, just not to worry your mothers at all. Not to worry your mothers at all. They're in safe hands. They're in safe hands when they go out there. But uh, 
All right, hopefully you found uh, John uh, 16 by now, and we're going to go ahead and read uh, verse 29. The Bible says, His disciples said unto him, Lo, now speakest thou plainly, and speakest no proverb. Now are we sure that thou knowest all things, and needest not that any man should ask thee. By this we believe that thou camest forth from God. Jesus answered them, Do ye now believe? Behold, the hour cometh, yea, is now come, that he shall be scattered every man to his own, and shall leave me alone. And yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. These things have I spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Take your Bibles and turn to 1 John 4.4. 4. 1 John 4.4. 4. The Bible says, 1 John 4.4, Year of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Let me read that again. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The word I want to preach on, uh, overcoming. Overcoming. Being overcomers for Christ. Tonight I want to preach on the subject of being overcomers. Uh, folks, you'll find uh, the word, if you look up the word overcomers in the Bible, you'll find that it's used primarily uh, when it is speaking uh, from the Apostle John, from the beloved Apostle. John would write, of course, uh, the beloved Apostle will write the book of John. He will also write 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and he will also write the book of Revelations. Five books he'll write, under, of course, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, but you'll find most of the words overcome from John, from John. I love that, as, as we'll talk, we'll get into a little bit about John as the message, uh, as we get into the message. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. You have to bear with me. I've got that cold that's going around, so just uh, stay with me tonight. I hope that you'll listen. It's a, it's a, a great truth. It's from the Bible, and uh, I want you to see it tonight. The Lord laid this on my heart. Uh, it seems like when I, when I get to preach, I always have two messages the Lord lays on, lays on my heart. The message that I wanted to preach tonight was the message I preached at uh, Teen Badger Camp, and, uh, but the Lord uh, impressed this on my heart, and uh, I want to preach this uh, to you tonight. But before we get the message, let's pray, and we'll get started. Dear Holy Father, thanks so much for this um, Evening, Lord, thank you for everything you've given to us. Lord, thank you for the fact that we get to come out. And Lord, thank you for these dear people, Lord, who've come out tonight to hear the truth. Now, Father, give us a great truth. Lord, help us to go home changed. Help us to go home different. Help us to go home drawn closer to you. Father, please, you know that's my heart's desire. And Father, I pray that tonight we would uh, accomplish that. In your name I pray, amen. The Bible talks about overcomers. In the book of uh, John, we, we read... Jesus Christ speaking to his disciples, and he says, uh, These things have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. See, I love the phrase John uses it time and time again. You'll find him use it many times. Uh, uh, you'll find him use it, I think, four times in the book, in the Johns, that he'll use, uh, first, second, and third John. And you'll find him use it also in the book of Revelations. Uh, many times in the book of Revelations, you'll find him say, I have overcome, or be overcomers. You have overcome the world. And he uses this phrase quite often, overcome. 
But we find it first as, as Jesus Christ quoted it to John. He says, listen, I have overcome the world. And boy, this stuck home with John. This was something that John grasped hold of because the story of John is a great one. John, of course, the beloved disciple, he, would, he was the one who was closest to Jesus Christ, would actually lay his head on, on the breast of Jesus Christ uh, at, the last, uh, at the Last Supper. Um, and he was the one who would, when, when all was there, when everyone else was gone from the cross, it was John who was at the cross. When Jesus Christ looked down at John and said, John, I need you to take care of my mother. Take care of her. And he, he would say to John, and he would give John the, the chance to, uh, or the opportunity to take care of his mother. And by the way, folks, I, uh, it's coming up the Christmas season, and I love the fact that we have a lot of young ladies who want to be Mary. And boy, uh, folks, I know we're not Catholic here, and I am not for us worshiping Mary, but we need to understand Mary was a great lady. She was a great lady. Her faith and her spirituality would help guide folks, would help guide um, the, uh, the early church. You say, Mr. Charles, she was a pastor. No, 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 she wasn't a pastor, but she was strong of faith. She was strong of religion. Thank you, Father. I appreciate that. And, uh, and folks, let me just say this. All this nonsense that goes on about uh, old-time religion uh, putting down women. Now, that's a, bunch, that's a bunch of junk. You can go back in the Old Testament, and, or you can go back anywhere you want to and read the Bible how important women were. I, grow, I, I really hate the concept that somehow, oh, Mr. Dahl, you know, they just don't treat women right out there. No, we, ha, we put a high premium on, on, on women, on ladies, on mothers. This, it's one of the most important things. And by the way, Mary was one of those. Uh, many historians believe that John, would get most of his facts, and you'll read, if you read the Gospel of John, you'll find that John is the most detailed when it comes down to the last days of Jesus Christ. John is very detailed on that. The last, uh, my goodness, the last uh, probably 10 chapters just deal with almost the last uh, 24 or 4, um, I'm sorry, right in that area, uh, last week of, uh, of Christ's life. Very detailed, very detailed. But most of his uh, sources came from Mary. Of course, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, please understand that, but he would get, gather his resources from Mary. Mary would help him as, as he would write these books. Um, John would then go on to start a church. He, he would be the pastor of this church. He would love, love his people and folks. Many, uh, some of the greatest statements of the Bible are penned by the Apostle John. But folks, you got to understand, John's story just doesn't end with uh, him believing in Christ and Jesus Christ rising from the dead and John being thrilled. See, John would go on to be somebody in the church and he would go on to be a, a, a preacher and an apostle in the book of Acts. You'll find all these, these great accomplishments that John will do. But then John will be captured and by the, the Roman Empire and he'll be um, taken and tortured and he'll be burned in oil. He won't die from this torture. He'll live. And it'll be put because they, they won't, they, they're not going to kill him again. They just exile him to the Isle of Patmos. And uh, he understood overcoming. Folks, if anybody understood overcoming, it was the Apostle John. If anybody understood overcoming, it was John. And I believe that's why John will write so much about overcoming. Because all the trials, the hardships that came in his life could never beat John down. John was always on the top side. I love it, folks, and one of my, uh, and I, I'll preach a message on this. You'll get it later on, but one of my favorite 
statements in all the Bible comes down when John says, um, when he's describing heaven, and he's describing heaven, and uh, he's writing, and he says a statement that is, as many people use as mysticism, and they go off the deep end, but he says, at, on the Isle of Patmos, he's writing the statement, he says, and there is no more sea, when he describes heaven. And uh, many people have said many different things about that, but folks, I have no doubt uh, John was looking out across the sea. And he was looking to his home church where he had pastored before as he wrote this book and he said, as he's describing what heaven's going to be like, he says, there's not going to be any more sea. What does he mean? He says, there's not going to be any more separation. He said, all my loved ones that I haven't got to see, I'll see again. And folks, that's one of my favorite statements when describing heaven. I don't think there's a better statement to be made. He said, listen, there's not going to be any more sea there. And boy, brother, read that. thrills my heart. That thrills my soul. What a great statement about heaven. But I love the apostle John. If there's anybody who, uh, he, he uh, exemplifies this. There's another character in the scriptures, though, who exemplifies this as well. And I want us to uh, turn there, and I'll read for you and tell the story. But Genesis chapter 37. Genesis chapter 37. And uh, go ahead and flip there. Genesis 37, verse number 2. The Bible says, These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren. And the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and with the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought his father their evil report. We are introduced to a guy by the name of Joseph. Now, I love the story of Joseph. Joseph's a great Bible character. But we're introduced to a guy by the name of Joseph. Now, Joseph, uh, the Bible says was a tattletale. And uh, Joseph was somebody who said, listen, my brothers aren't doing right. He brought an evil report. Now, folks, Joseph was a good man. I hear this quite often that Joseph needs to get ripped on for this. But, folks, Joseph was a good kid. Joseph was a good kid. And oh, how we need some young people who will stand up and say, listen, you oughtn't to be doing that. If you do that, I'm going to tell my mom, I'm going to tell my dad, you're not going to do that in front of me. You're not going to do that around me. You are not going to uh, be that kind of person. And folks, and young people, now you listen to me. Some of you need to make, some of you need to get uh, a little bit of Joseph inside. Just say, listen, I'm not going to put up with the sin. I'm not going to put up with the, uh, the, all the wrongdoing. I'm going to take a stand and I'm going to say, hey, listen, you do that and I'll tell dad. You do that and I'll tell the school teacher. You do that, I'll tell them, man. And folks, we need that. Young people, you need to do that. Don't you buy into this, well, you're not cool if, you're, if you snitch on us. No, you need to go and say, listen, man, you ought to be doing that. And if you do it, I'm going to go tell on you. I'm going to go make sure uh, Brother Dow knows. I'm sure make Pastor knows. I'm going to make sure Brother Payne knows. I'm sure uh, Mom and Dad know about it. But you're not going to be doing that around me. And boy, his brothers, and let, let me tell you, they didn't like him. They said, man, we're tired of you telling on us. We're tired of you ratting us out. We want to go off in the fields and tell our dirty jokes. We want to go off in the fields and do whatever we want to do. And we're tired of having dad, when we come back, say, hey, Judah, you shouldn't ought to be looking at the strange woman. Hey, you guys shouldn't ought to be goofing off and doing that stuff. You shouldn't ought to be talking that way. And oh, how we need some young people and how we need some Christians who instead of saying, oh, I'm just going to let this one slide. I'm just going to let this one go, Say should stand up and say, listen, no, knock it off. We're not going to talk that way, nor are we going to do that around here. And folks, we need some Christians. Uh, we need some Christians to take a stand. 
Man, take a stand in 2012 and come in close 2013 and say, listen, no, you don't talk that way around me. You don't act that way around me. You won't watch that stuff around me. You're not going to do that. And folks, we've got to have that. Young people, if there's one thing I could get across to you, we got a group of teenagers sitting over there, and I love the fact you guys are here tonight, but young people, don't you let your friends just go off and do whatever they want to do. Don't you let them talk any way they want to talk around you. You stand up right now. You be a young fundamentalist, man, and we need some of you out there. We need some young people say, listen, I'm not going to let you say that. I'm not going to talk that way. Knock it off. We don't, do such, we don't do such things. Joseph was that kind of a Christian. He was a strong Christian. He believed that God was more important than his brothers. He believed that God was more important than uh, doing whatever he wanted or what felt good. He believed that was more important. We see then as it goes on, boy, there's some problems in the family. But verse 5, we find a little bit more about Joseph. And folks, I want us to key in on this. And Joseph, the Bible says, dreamed a dream. And he told it to his brother, and they hated him yet the more. Joseph dreamed a dream. Joseph dreamed a dream. Now, folks, Joseph, we're going to get into the story here as it goes on, um, but Joseph was an overcomer. Joseph was an overcomer. Joseph dreamed a dream. His brothers get all mad at him. They don't like the dream that he dreamed. He dreamed that someday he was going to be the head of a country. Someday he was going to be the one who his brothers would bow down to. This is what he dreamed. He said, man, this was my dream. Someday this is going to take place. His brothers get all mad at him. He'll tell them another dream, and lo and behold, he'll finally come out in the field. His brothers, they don't like him one bit, and they, they grab him, take him, and say, listen, we're tired of this. They throw him into a pit, man. They throw him into a pit and say, you're, going, you're not coming up out of this pit, Joseph. We're locking you in. We're keeping you down. We're tired of the junk you're pulling. And they throw him in that pit. They end up selling him into slavery. Old Joseph goes into slavery. And folks, this is a big change of pace for Joseph, who just said, man, I thought I was going to be the man. I thought I was supposed to be in charge of all this. I thought I was supposed to be the one who they bow down to. But here I am, being the one who's whipped and thrown into slavery, man. I thought I was supposed to be the one who was in charge of that. Joseph gets sold into slavery. He ends up being sold to a, in Egypt, taken Egypt and sold into Potiphar's, uh, into a man by the name of Potiphar. Potiphar will then, uh, he starts to run Potiphar's house. He does such a good job. He is meticulous. He follows orders. And by the way, folks, he follows biblical principles. Biblical principles. Joseph followed biblical principles. And because of that, he was successful. Potiphar loved him so much, he said, man, you can do whatever you want to, man. I want you to run everything in my home. You do such a good job. Joseph does. And Joseph is risen to power. Where once he was a slave, where once he was whipped, where once he was ridiculed and mocked and scorned and made fun of, now he is risen to power and is in charge of Potiphar's house, man. He's one of the wealthiest and richest men in Egypt. And Egypt was the spot to be. And here old Joseph is. He is now running the show. Well, once again, lo and behold, that dream that he thought was going to take place is now shattered when a lying woman comes in and says, listen, he tried to sleep with me. He tried to sleep with me, Potiphar. Potiphar's wife will finally say, hey, he tried to sleep with me. And Joseph is thrown back into the dungeon. He's thrown back into the dungeon. But folks, see, that didn't stop Joseph either. He overcame slavery. He overcame the dungeon. He was locked in that dark dungeon, and he decided, folks, boy, you know, I can, can you imagine what he was going through? 
So many times we think we know the stories, or I'm sorry, we think that they knew the end of the story, don't we? We look into it and we say, ah, you know, Joseph, don't worry, you're going to get by. No, can you imagine if you were locked in that dungeon? Just give up, right, man? Say, oh, this whole God stuff, man, it's not for me. I mean, I tried. I tried serving God, but look where it got me. Got me thrown right back in the dungeon. I didn't even do anything. And boy, if Joseph could talk, man, he'd be having a hard time. But see, that's the beautiful thing about Joseph. He was an overcomer. He said, no, I'm not going to put that. Oh, I'm sure that came to his mind. I'm sure that crept into his mind and he thought, man, I wonder. But he said, no, I'm an overcomer. And Joseph would then start to operate once again the prison. And he started to do such an efficient job. They said, man, listen, you're in charge of the prison, man. You, you tell us what do you tell us how to run it. We're, we're fine with it. And Joseph, man, he, he, tar- he rises once again in the prison, but he's still a prisoner, man. I mean, when all is said and done, it's not that good. It's like, ah, you got, you know, I got a little power, but that kind of stinks. Still a prisoner, man. Still eating prison food. That ain't good. And uh, he finally, right, but finally he gets out. He tells the, there's two men come to the prison, the baker and the butler. He tells, he accurately tells them their dreams. And he will, one, uh, three years transpire after one of them is taken out and put in, putting back in his place. And he's finally put back, or Joseph is finally brought up to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh tells him his dream, and Joseph becomes the second in command of the entire nation of, of Egypt at the time. He starts, he becomes the second in nation. And folks, we see the overcomer that is Joseph. Joseph was an overcomer. He overcame the problems that came into his life. Joseph overcame. Now, let me look and just t- uh, give some observations about what is an overcomer. Uh, 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 and I won't be long tonight, um, but stay with me. Stay with me as I go down the list here. First off, we find an overcomer dreamed a dream. You see, he dreamed a dream. And folks, if we ever want to uh, conquer, if we ever want to overcome something, we need to dream. We need to dream. See, dreams are so important, folks. Dreams are so important. You see, dreams are what makes us young. Dreams are what makes us young. So many times we think, ah, you know what? Hey, there's an old person and there's a young person. There's an old codger and there's a young buck. All right, that's what they are because, look, they got wrinkles and, and they, they, don't, they got wrinkles and no hair and they don't. All right? This is, this is what makes it. But, folks, that's not what makes an old and young person. Let me just tell you, having dealt with young people, I've met many young people who are very old. And I've met many old people who are very young. Why? What makes, what causes the difference? The difference is the dream. The dream. It's, in a word, tomorrow. In a word, tomorrow. It's the fact that, hey, we're looking forward to tomorrow. I've got something planned. I've got something to do. And folks, it is that dream that will keep us going. It is that dream that we have to have to inspire us to go to the next level. Um, Young people tonight, it is that dream that will make you an overcomer. Older people, it is that dream that will make you an overcomer that says, listen, tomorrow, I can't wait till tomorrow because I get to get up, I get to live my life. It's a great day tomorrow. And folks, it is a great day tomorrow. There is something worth living for. There is something worth fighting for. And folks, that is what makes overcomers is the fact that they look to tomorrow and say, man, I 
I can't wait for tomorrow. It is that old person who gets up in the morning and instead of saying, oh man, life is bad. Life is terrible. I got, I got problems. I got diseases. I got all these things going wrong in my life. Everything seems to be mounting up against me. I got the aches and the pains. But who gets up and says, listen, I've got something to live for. I've got something exciting today. And folks, let me tell you, you can never, you can never be dying if you're still living. And living means you're looking forward till tomorrow. And let me encourage those of you who are all here saying, listen, you're looking at your problems, you're looking at your woes, and you say, man, I've got it bad, and perhaps you do, but let me tell you, there's something worth living for. There's got to be a dream that's worth fighting for. And when you get that dream that says, listen, something, there's something out there for me to do, you'll never be old. You'll never be old, and you will be an overcomer. You will be an overcomer. And folks, there is a cause worth fighting for. There is a cause worth fighting for, and it is the cause of Christ. It is the dream that Jesus Christ set before us. It is the dream that Jesus Christ set down and said, this is what I have you to do. Go reach the world. And folks, every morning we should wake up and say, I can't wait to see what God has in store for me. I can't wait to see what God has for me. God's got something special on the horizon for me. And folks, he does. I was reading in Lamentations the other day about how his mercies are new every morning. Folks, every morning you wake up, me and my mom were talking about this. Every morning you wake up, God's got something new just for you. And folks, it's a bright and beautiful tomorrow. There is a big, beautiful tomorrow waiting for you. And don't you be discouraged. Don't you be downtrodden. Because overcomers look at what is the good that is coming. And folks, you got to get this because this is real good. Remember the verse we read in John 1-4? Uh, he said, you have overcome the world. Little children, you have overcome the world. And he said, why? Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And folks, that's what we have. Sometimes, I know there are times in your life where you get, and you want to say, man, Mr. Al, you don't get it. Everything's going wrong. I got nothing to look forward to tomorrow. Nothing. And folks, then look to Jesus. Then look to Jesus because he's got something pretty special for you tomorrow. He's got something pretty special for you tomorrow. And folks, uh, dream a dream. Joseph. Joseph was somebody who didn't let his circumstances dictate to him. He was somebody who believed in tomorrow. And folks, if there's one thing, you gotta, there's a couple things, good truths in the sermon. This is one of those. Tomorrow. It's a great word. Tomorrow. Why, put, yeah, why do today what you can put off to tomorrow, right? Amen? No, I'm just teasing. Folks, uh, tomorrow. It is a great word. There, there is a great, big, beautiful tomorrow. And uh, teenagers, young people, there is a great, big, beautiful tomorrow. Sometimes, and teenagers, you get so doom and gloom. I know. Especially the girls that are like, oh, Mr. Doll, so-and-so doesn't like me. Oh, it's so bad for me right now. But folks, there's a great, big, beautiful tomorrow. There really is. There's a great, big, beautiful tomorrow out there. And don't you, don't you throw it away. Don't you throw it away because you had a hard time. Don't you throw it away, Vikings fans, because you got trounced by the Packers. It's okay. There's always tomorrow. There's always tomorrow, all right? There's always tomorrow. But folks, there is a tomorrow. There is a tomorrow out there. There is a tomorrow. And folks, even if you messed up today, even when you lay your head on your pillow and you say, man, I messed up. That sin that I wanted to beat today, that thing that I wanted to get rid of, I did it. I messed up. There's a tomorrow. There's a tomorrow. There's a tomorrow. And folks, Joseph could see that. Joseph could see beyond today. He could see that there was something beyond today. He could see that there was something worth fighting for. Notice in the life of 
Joseph, as we go down through the story of the life of Joseph, Joseph had adversity. Joseph had adversity. And folks, adversity is going to come. Adversity is going to come. Problems are going to come into your life. Don't you ever think that you're immune from problems. All right? Now, I know most, most of us don't think that way. Most of us don't think that way. But the fact is, we are not immune to problems. Prob- situations are going to come to our life. Problems are going to come. And you know what? It's always, it's always going to be a surprise from whom they come. Joseph got thrown into the dungeon by his own brothers. He said, man, I could put up with the, and folks, I hear this so often, I can put up with the problems, but it's from who they come. The problems come from within, man. The problems come from so-and-so. and So my dearest friend or one of my old friends or one of my family members, they're the ones that are causing me the problems. The, the person I sit next to in church, they're the ones causing me the problems. And folks, it's always going to shock and surprise you from whom the problems come. But let me guarantee you the problems will come. And folks, if we could get that truth, if we could understand the fact that, hey, problems are going to come, man. It doesn't matter how, uh, how wonderful I am, problems are going to come. And they're going to come into your life. Joseph comes in, or the problems come in. And Joseph, uh, Joseph deals with problems. He overcomes the problems. Why? Number one, because he could see tomorrow was coming. He could see that there was a tomorrow. Number two, he could see that the, he, he knew problems would come. And folks, boy, this is good. Because what happens is we get, we get going to church. And we get faithful. Or we get faithful reading our Bible. And then all of a sudden, the problems crop up. And we say, oh, I missed my Bible reading for a week. I knew I couldn't do it. Oh, well. No, folks, accept the fact that problems are going to come. In your Bible reading, in your life, in your marriage, in your home, problems are going to come. And don't throw everything away. Don't scrap and say, oh, it's over. I tried. See, Joseph didn't do that. Joseph didn't say, hey, I'm in the dungeon. It's over. I tried. I did my best, God. And now I can't do nothing. No, problems are going to come. But, uh, and understand that. Wait for it. It's coming. Problems will be there. Make sure you deal with them when they come. Make sure you deal with them when they come. And folks, uh, lastly, it comes down to what he did, was he did not let the problems overcome him. He overcame the problems that came into his life. He was an overcomer. Joseph was an overcomer. Thrown into the prison, he overcame them. Thrown into the dungeon, he overcame it. Sold into slavery, he overcame that. He overcame the lies, he overcame the problems, he overcame it to rise up to be second in power in Egypt. He overcame them. And folks, as Christians, today we need you to be overcomers. Those of you who work, uh, in the, in, uh, work out in the uh, secular world, we need you to overcome the problems at your workplace. We need some Christians in high places. We need some Christians like Joseph who can say, listen, I will spare Egypt. I will make sure Egypt has food to eat. We need some people who say, listen, not only will I uh, spare Egypt, but I can spare the Christians. I'll make sure that my Christian brothers have jobs. I'll make sure my Christian sisters get in, and we are going to make sure that at, at the corporations, at the jobs we work at, that we make a difference where we work and who we work with. That they would look and say, man, that guy, he's somebody. He's a hard worker. He does his job the right way. And folks, we need that. We desperately need that nowadays. But folks, we need to overcome our problems. Uh, the problems come in, and we need, and uh, I want to close with this illustration. Um, we need to def- overcome the problems. Stories told of a family that had a uh, donkey, and this 
the donkey was an old, uh, was a family, family pet basically, was used for the, on the farm for chores and so on and so forth. And Well, they'd, he, the, the donkey was getting up in years, it was getting pretty old, and, but they didn't want to put the donkey down. They loved the, the family loved the donkey, and uh, sure enough, they, uh, they uh, were out one day, the donkey was out in the field, and uh, it fell into a deep hole a hole that was in the field and fallen down into this hole. The family, you know, didn't know or didn't realize that he was missing for a couple days. Finally, they went out in the field and found out that he was, he was, he was in this hole and it was a pretty deep hole. It was a pretty deep hole and they, they, they tried to get him out. They tried uh, this and that and they couldn't do anything. They, they, tried, they couldn't lift him out. They couldn't pick him, out, pick him up out of, the, out of this old, I think it was an old abandoned well or whatever the case, but it was a very deep pit and they couldn't get him out. And uh, so they decided, uh, the dad finally got the kids together and said, listen, children, we're going to have to, uh, we're just, we're just going to bury him down there. It's the only thing we can do, we're just going to bury him down there. And with heavy hearts, they, they started to uh, fill in the pit. And uh, tears were streaming down the family's face as this family pet was going to be killed, going to be uh, done away with. And they uh, finally, they uh, knocked in the final bit on uh, uh, poured down the uh, last bit of dirt in the hole, and lo and behold, the kids looked back, and there stood the donkey out of the hole. And they looked, and they, they said, what in the world? How did this happen? And sure enough, that donkey had been down in that hole, and as they dug each shovel full of dirt and dumped it on his back, that donkey shook the dirt off on the ground and stomped it down. And then they put another shovel full, and he falls back, he shook it off and stomped it down. And he kept doing this till finally he rose right out of that hole. And folks, we need to be as smart as that donkey. Why don't we shake it off and then stomp it down? Why don't we shake off the problems that come into our life and stomp it down? Because folks, those same problems that God sends into your lives are the things that God wants to elevate you. Just like that donkey, every, every time that shovel full of dirt fell on his back, he didn't say, oh, woe is me, looks like I'm done. No, he shook it off and stomped it down. He shook it off and stomped it down. And folks, uh, each shovel full that came onto his back, he, he uh, shook it off and stomped it down. And folks, as Christians, as Christians, to be overcomers, we need to shake it off and stomp it on her foot. Because, folks, the very problems that God sent into your life were meant to be overcome by you to elevate you. Joseph, if you had never been in that dungeon, would have never met the butler who would say to the Pharaoh, Pharaoh, there's a guy in the prison who told me about my dreams. Maybe you should ask him about those. And then Joseph would rise to power because of that. And folks, those problems that so oftentimes we look at and say, God, why are you doing this to me? God, what are you doing? God says, I've got a very good reason for this. Just bear with me. Just shake it off. Stomp it down. Because when all is said and done, you're going to be an overcomer for Christ. And folks, today I want to challenge you. Tonight I want to challenge you to be an overcomer. Don't let your situations overcome you. You overcome them. I love the phrase Jesus Christ says, uh, in John 16, 33, and I'll flip there real quick. He says, In the world ye shall have tribulation, 
But, and I love this, but be of good cheer. He said, don't get down in the mouth. I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. What a great statement, folks. And let us be overcomers for Christ. Let us be overcomers for Christ. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Dear Father, Lord, thank you so much for this evening, Lord. Thank you for these dear people, Lord, who've come out. Father, help them to be encouraged tonight, Father. Help us to be overcomers for Christ. Lord, help us to be overcomers and overcome the situations, the problems that come into our life. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, nobody looking around. Folks, I hope tonight that you'll promise God that you'll be an overcomer. An overcomer at your workplace, an overcomer with your problems, whatever problems they might be. Whatever situations they might be, don't let them overcome you. You overcome them. The Bible says, be not overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. And folks, how important that is. As the pianist and the organist begin to play, why don't we go ahead and stand to our feet? And folks, if the Lord has laid something on your heart, the altar's open. You can do business with God tonight. All right, folks, I hope tonight was an encouragement. I prayed for that. And, folks, I hope that we, we are overcomers for Christ. We can be. We can be. And all we have to do is claim him. Claim him. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And that is a promise to become an overcomer. Greater is he that is in you. Folks, we have a great Savior. We have a Savior who overcame. And let us be overcomers. Let us be overcomers for Christ. Thanks so much for being here tonight, uh, Pastor. Go ahead and dismiss then. All right, thank you so much, folks. Once again, what a blessing it is to have you here. And uh, let me see. Let me call on uh, Brother Ben. Why don't you pray for us and dismiss us?